0: From TMP to TTNG For sure the care and those tired meme jeans Hella Kinsella and the promise ring Sunny day real estate and rights this spring Prince Twinkle Daddy's help keep the dream alive I constantly thank God for Algernon And Remo Christie from drive. Mineral snowing high-tide hotelier and more. Rio Limo only consists of the DC emotive hardcore.
1: to life at a, I think damage city fest last year are you serious yeah he, so said he, was, he said he was cool but he's just kind of dumb like he's dumb
2: yeah
1: for the, the brain damage that he got from getting his shit kicked in so many times
2: nando literally called me to tell me about that it was though <laughs> like right after it happened he was just like i know if the, anyone wanted to know about this it would be you ellie so
3: i appreciated that
1: hell yeah Okay, uh, do we want to start this episode?
3: Honestly, I think we fade in after we say uh, Nando met Rick to life, but uh... Yes. (laughs) Episode 43 of the E-Word. The first episode of this year, of this decade. And it's not in a decade under the Influence episode. It is a loose catch-up episode. This is Kyle in Madison. I'm recording with Ellie, my friend in Austin. Ellie, what's up?
2: Um... Not much. I'm doing good. My hair's blue now. I don't know if you saw on Facebook, but I'm stoked on my hair being blue. I've wanted to dye my hair blue since I was like 13. So, I'm stoked.
3: And we are recording with like 10 minutes notice, really, uh with Claudio from yeah. Commander Salamander who's in a Target parking lot in DC somewhere.
1: Hell yeah, round 3 motherfuckers, let's go first first round 3 of the fucking e that's not true therapy. that's not that's true that's not true i don't care i'm making it true
3: you just put yourself in the hall of fame
0: yeah, yeah. The hall
1: of fame there's only one it's me baby
0: <laughs>
1: wait who wait who did the three times tyler fuck
3: and i think somebody else ben has been on twice rylan's been on twice
1: yeah i had to i had to come on like and... Protect the, protect the, the fucking title for. <laughs> being our head.
2: Although to be fair, uh, one of the times that Tyler was on, uh, they were sharing with other people, and I think generally you you always have. No, that's not true. You shared with uh, Liam once. Yeah. Shit.
1: Yeah, I sure did. <laughs> all right. Yeah, but,
2: well, uh... fuck it. Cla- uh, Tyler doesn't actually exist. They're a figment of our imagination. It's all. It's all Claudio.
1: They live in Iowa. What the fuck is that? That doesn't even exist.
2: I genuinely think we should like melt several states into like one state. Like the Dakotas need to be one state. Like Iowa, Indiana, Illinois should all be one state.
3: Um,
1: they basically are. I drove through them this summer. They're all the fucking same.
3: All right, but this is strange that you are that you are trying to melt all the big ass states into one, and not like the East Coast, which could easily just benefit from being one. Okay. Oh yeah,
2: Delaware and New Jersey and Connecticut can all be one state. I don't give a fuck. Um, <laughs> we could divide California into like five states so we can keep that nice round fifty number. Well, welcome to the G word. This is a geography podcast. <laughs> I feel like I might I might be subconsciously like stealing a bit from Chapo Trap House right now, but. Um...
1: <laughs> I, I think I failed geography in high school. I don't even remember.
2: It's that that's the subject with the rocks, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, Like sedimentary, igneous, and then what's the other one? Phosphorescent. Phosph. Phosphorescent. All right. Igneous is the one that
3: comes from volcanoes, right?
1: Ain't that shit a Pokemon?
3: (laughs) (laughs) All right. Okay. So, as you can tell, this is a loose catch-up episode. Um, You're probably wondering, where is that 2017 episode that you recorded out of order and didn't even come up with one? Uh, I would like to know the same answer. Uh, We have been ghosted, and then ghosted, and ghosted, and ghosted. And then, hey, can you do tomorrow? And then ghosted again. So, um, yeah maybe we fly with just doing that one with someone else maybe we do it just ourselves maybe we don't do it at all i don't know i'm about to send the email for the 2018 one so i don't it sucks it sucks cuz we were we literally had it scheduled and then it was like yoink
2: yeah it got stolen from us um it's probably just like a busy time for that crew but as for the 2018 episode there's the, uh, there's uh i might not even be on it i might like <laughs> dip And just like, let you have our esteemed collaborator Ian Cohen on to
3: co-host for that one. You could probably tell what it is just by knowing how you're disgusted by it. But my thing is, like, there's already a five-episode series of podcasts about it. Why did people want that one from us? I don't fucking
2: know. I don't fucking know. And, like... Uh, well, I'm just saying, Kyle, there's not much to be, to be gained from, like, me sitting in a room with an artist, or, I don't know, sorry, like, sitting on a podcast with an artist and just being like, so I didn't really like this song, uh, can you tell me why I should like it?
1: Wait, I'm so confused, who the fuck are we talking about? Spill some names.
2: Oh. Yeah.
1: Oh, the one
2: that won, huh? Gotcha. Yeah. I didn't like that shit either. It's, it, it's insane, I was really expecting to win but i guess i like vastly underestimated like how many incels are in our audience
3: i'm not surprised but most of the albums that we wanted to talk about we got to talk about just by them getting getting voted in like like i am so shocked that we didn't have to do like a modern baseball episode
1: yeah what that's kind of crazy but we did
2: like they just got outvoted every
3: time yeah
1: so uh when is mom jeans coming on (laughs)
3: <laughs> we, i guess we we successfully avoided them damn.
1: they have uh,
3: they would
2: never have come on um although i do think it would have been funny to do like a live reading of their like rejection email on the podcast
1: really wow <laughs> i didn't even know it went that like, you, you tried to get them on and they said no 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 no, no, no this
3: no. is all hypothetical sad- fat.
1: oh okay I, I was like damn
3: uh don't know what we're gonna do about twenty seventeen or twenty eighteen really. Uh but so first episode of twenty twenty. Um you know, we just had holiday break. We just had an episode come out a couple weeks ago. What the fuck's up, y'all? Ellie, what have you been up to? Uh just just living life. Uh I
2: I don't like going on vacation. Like I had to request like nine days off from work to go to Palm Springs and then Las Vegas. Um, and you know that's that's cool. I want I I wanted to meet Dina's family and like see my family, but uh, you know my paycheck took a hit and that sucked.
3: Wait, where is Palm Springs?
2: It's in California. Oh, they live in like a they live in like an old people retirement home. It's weird because Dina's not actually very much older than me. She's only like five years older than me, but her parents are like my grandparents' age. It was it was an it was a neat experience. Uh, Is they they keep it very very warm inside there, so I kind of just napped for like four and a half days. That's savage. We got our cat registered as an emotional support animal, so we could take her. Um, and so we so we flew into Vegas and then drove to Palm Springs, and then drove from Palm Springs to Vegas to fly back out of Vegas. Um, and so we kind of let Juno like. Hang out in the car with us And the first time she was like high off her ass On like kitty Xanax So she was cool She was just like Jumping all over our bodies um, (laughs) While we were driving Um, And then on the way to Vegas She got like really fucking terrified And hid hid under the car seat And we had to like Stop at a gas station And spend like 30 minutes like dragging her out And making her take more kitty Xanax Um, So that was extremely traumatic I guess that's what I've been up to. What have you been up to, Kyle?
3: (laughs) I had like 10 days off of work and kind of lost my mind not having work to do and just eating way too fucking much. I had so much food. And then in the middle of that, I went back to the gym. And not in one of those like corny, like New Year's resolutions ways, but I'm like, I'm like feeling good about going to the gym. So I ran 13 miles in a week and that was oh sick yeah, yeah yeah so i'm gonna i think i'm gonna keep doing that um what else how long how long does it take you to run a mile since we're an emo podcast four minute mile uh, yeah. Uh, i yeah <laughs> i'm upset that you took that for me it was like in my hand
2: then he like go like your hand ghostly went through the screen and
3: grabbed it from mine and i'm very upset i i, I tend to do that sometimes on this podcast it feels good that that I can predict where you're going with things, um, I I I listened to a shit ton of Blink 155 over break, and, I, and it, it got to the yeah. point where I was like, "Oh, this sucks!" Like I I'm just like sitting here laughing by myself. <laughs> uh, what else did I do? Um, I saw three movies in a week. Uncut Gems is totally like, I like love the internet's response to it because it's like actually as good as people say that it is but it's also like memeable as
1: yo i i saw that movie i saw that shit it was weird it was stressful it yeah, is a very I've
2: stressful it's movie Really stressful
1: it's i when i okay i had this tweet lined up i might as well just say it because i didn't know if it was going to do numbers on the band account but watching that movie was like watching my own band try to become self-sustainable on fucking selling merch and shit
2: <laughs> holy shit i did not see that i saw uh Right before right before I went out for for break, I watched the new Star Wars movie, which was like a load of shit. Um, like and this like I genuinely like really loved The Last Jedi. Um and this movie was kind of just like JJ J. Abrams like saying fuck you to Ryan Johnson like the, the entire runtime. And then on Christmas I saw <laughs> Little Women, which was dope.
3: I saw Little Women <laughs> on New Year's Eve and it was way better than I thought it would be. I thought it would be like something like *Pride and Prejudice*, but it was like *Pride and Prejudice*, but like didn't feel bored or lost the entire time.
2: Oh well, yeah, yeah, because it's really like fun and relatable. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's Greta Gerwig, you know, like the way the way that she directs her actors and constructs her dialogue is always very like real, mm-hmm. you know. One thing I think is I think is weird is I've been like I've been seeing like a lot of dudes, like just like a lot of like dudes. Like, like posting stuff like, hey, I, I just saw Little Women and I was surprised at how much I liked it. And like, it's cool. Like, <laughs> I think it's cool that like this, uh, the this movie that ostensibly is like a, like a women's coming of age story that like men are, are feeling able to like go see it. Um, But I do think it's a little like fucked up because I feel like women have to know like all of men's like coming age stories. Right. um and and men have just been like excused from like being aware of little women and like chick flicks like they're allowed to not know about that stuff whereas you know every every woman i know has read catcher in the rye once or twice i don't know it's just a weird experience but it it is cool it's cool that we're finally getting to a point where like you know yeah. we can we can have gender-neutral coming-of-age stories, I guess. Like, we mm-hmm. can cross lines like that.
3: <laughs> I probably sound like a fucking idiot. You should cut all of that out. <laughs> no. I The the only reason why I cut it out is because I fucking hate movie podcasts. Okay,
2: cool. Yeah, cut it out. Movie <laughs> podcasts are the goddamn worst. Except for how, how how Did This Get Made. I like How Did This Get Made a lot.
3: Like, like why the fuck would anyone start a movie podcast after, like, 2010? Because... As soon as podcasts was, like, a thing, there was, like, 1,400 of them.
1: Really, I didn't really give a fuck about podcasts until y'all started this one.
3: Sick. We're entry level. I did watch the Golden
2: Globes. Uh, and, and it, you know, to kind of tie it back to the podcast thing, it's really weird that without Ricky Gervais, we probably wouldn't, like, be here, right? Um, I think Blinkwood fifty five pointed this out a while back. Ricky Gervais kind of, like, blazed the trail of the podcast format. And he's, like, a humongous pile of shit.
1: I would say that... <laughs> but that, that monologue was pretty savage, though.
3: What was savage?
1: What was that? that monologue at, at the Golden Globes where he was, like, roasting the shit out of Hollywood.
2: I mean, I guess, but he's, like, getting paid to do it. They're, like, paying him to do it, you know? Like, oh, he's geez. not saying anything particularly dangerous. Um, I guess the edgiest <laughs> thing he did was, like, call them out for associating with Epstein, um yeah that's
1: right but and he called out apple for fucking like trying to make a woke progressive show and then owning sweatshops
2: it's weird it's weird because like when you when you like do something when you call something like that out but also like you've been given the platform to do so by the powers that be it feels a little bit more toothless i don't know like True. it just kind of feels like it kind of feels like a way for them to be like Oh, it's 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 okay that we're doing this because we're aware of it, and we're gonna let you make fun of us for it, but we're not actually gonna change anything.
3: I feel like that's why it was so fucking shocking when Kanye went on his rant during the hurricane thing, when when he was like, George Bush doesn't care about yes. black people, when like Mike Myers just like had no idea what the fuck to do, and he was standing <laughs> next to him on yes. live television. See, that's actually cool.
2: That's how you actually like shake up the system. Like everything Ricky Gervais said was like obviously like workshopped like did he even write it hours i i don't know if he wrote it necessarily i think like he kind of co-writes it with a group of other writers um Mm -hmm. because you know his golden glow stuff is like way watered down compared to his stand-up as far as like oh i'm gonna be a naughty offensive boy (laughs) type of type of shit goes yeah
3: (laughs) <laughs> we should stop talking about general pop culture yeah uh, <laughs> claudio what are you up to what's up with commander Salmander? uh no y'all just did like a little winter run uh with morning dew
1: yeah that was that was sick um we've been like um best best buds with morning dew since we like first became a band like we played our first show with them in origami angel in 2017 and like uh, you know, we've played, like, <clears throat> their their venue, Grateful Acres, in Falston, Maryland, like, a bunch of times. Um, yeah, we uh, – it was a cool run. Like, we, we had never really been to the South before like that. There was a lot of good, you know, like, crossover action happening there with, like – we played Atlanta, um, and that was, like, the crossover show with um, Dogleg. So we got All to play right. with Dogleg, um, and then we, like, hung out with them after the show. That was sick. Um, and then we – in – we also played with uh, Guitar Fight from fully Coolie for a couple days. They're awesome. I love them so much. Um, and um, we actually also got to, like, uh crossover with Sheem and Vermont when we were in Kentucky, which was cool and, like, very sudden. Yeah, it was It was a good tour. It was a good little, you know, week to finish off the, the year. Um, that's probably, like, the last... Uh, non-weekender we're going to do until the summer we got you know big plans for this summer and yeah we're trying to write this lp and stuff like everybody is doing nowadays i guess liam is actually about to uh he's next week i don't know if this will be out by then but he's about to leave to go to school in boston he got into berkeley uh school of music and i'm very very proud of him very excited for him shout out to my boy liam me, personally, I've not really been doing too much, just been bowling and listening to music. I, I just got into Fallout Boy, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I actually, the, the, reason, the reason I got um, even on this podcast is because I'm driving around in the snow, and I was like, hey, I should probably let Ellie know that I like Fallout Boy now. And we just started <laughs> talking, and she was like, uh, hey, uh, we're going to do a podcast. And I was like, cool, let me be on it. And then she was like, "Okay." <laughs> I figured. I figured.
3: Fuck it. It's been too long. We should. We should open the gates.
1: Open the gates. Let me talk shit.
3: All right. Uh, first official segment. What have you been
2: listening to? Um. All right. It's been a long time since we've done this fucking segment. Okay. Um. Two releases that I uh, forgot to put on my <laughs> 2019 honorable mentions. No one knows with a dead think uh which is uh John Chang from Discordance Axis and Gridlink. Uh this is his new band and he consistently creates the only grandcore that actually makes me like feel emotions. Um so if you want like grandcore that feels emo but not screamo, then uh listen to No one knows with a dead thank. And also L the screamo band L put out this album called Ellipsis last year. That was uh, very good, like classic classical screamo. I've also, you know, did you ever listen to Ghostbane's hardcore band Nemesis? Nope. no, yeah. they're uh, they're really good. Um, they sample "93 to Infinity" by uh, Souls of Mischief, uh, which is which is dope. Ethan from the drummer of C, Space Cowboy has a new band called Staining the Twilight Black. Uh, that put out an EP at the very end of last year that's really good. It's like a kind of techie metalcore, uh, much more interesting than the last CD space Cowboy album. I went back and listened to that Glassjaw album from 2017, Material Control, and it's grown on me a lot. I did not like it when I first heard it, but I think it's, it's better than Worship and Tribute. It's not as good as Everything You Ever Wanted to Know About Silence, but it's better than Worship and Tribute, which, you know, I love all of Glassjaw's material, so that's saying something. I listened to the new Travis Scott album, Jack Boys, um, with artwork by Harmony Karen. Uh and it's fucking great. I, I appreciate that rap albums are short again now. Uh, uh, I guess that's like a Kanye influenced thing, um, but I like it. I, I feel like it's a lot more accessible than like a fucking three hour mixtape or whatever. And I've been listening to a lot of Sublime. <laughs> that band's sick. Claudio, I've actually been meaning to tell you about this. Um, so I think the reason that I don't like Red... I think the reason I don't like Red Hot Chili Peppers is because of Anthony Kiedis. I think I just hate his vocals. Because John John Frusciante is, like, objectively an incredible guitarist. And, like, we had to listen to the radio while we were driving in California, and we heard a lot of Red Hot Chili Peppers. Um... And well, yeah that's I was listening
1: California to some, music all right yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: I was listening to some of his guitar lines and I was like, stu- like this actually sounds kind of like formative to a lot of like modern twinkle you know like I feel like modern twinkle is kind of like a mixture of that like melancholy like mineral derived twinkle and fucking Jean Frusciante. <laughs> I like yeah, guarantee I mean, like, 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 guarantee that's a that's an unspoken influence. <laughs>
1: Mm. I mean, like, yeah, his voice is kind of weird, and it's like very like beep a beep boop beep boop. California and having sex and doing drugs and stuff, but like, it's a, <laughs> it's a time, like it's like you know, you kind of like it's a vibe. You gotta you gotta be in it, you know. I I like kind of grew up on that shit, so to me, it's just it just sounds like my my childhood and my dad getting me into music and stuff, and like, you know, as you go back into their early. Discography, like they actually had a lot of like, like hype, like punk influenced stuff that like, oh I yeah, subconsciously got me into like hype ass music and like shit like that. Yeah, like
2: I mean, like fleas. I, th- I
3: do think like, sorry, uh, go ahead, Kyle. I was gonna say like Flea's bass playing is basically like suicidal tendencies meets like funk. Yeah. yeah.
1: Lee was in, uh, he was the bassist of Fear for a while.
3: Yeah. And he was in that movie Suburbia
2: that Penelope Spheres directed. Um, And that that one Red Hot Chili Pepper song, Fight Like a Brave, that song's fucking sick.
3: Are you saying
1: that because it's on Tony
3: Hawk?
2: (laughs) I've also been playing a lot of Tony Hawk.
1: (laughs) That song is cool, albeit a bit, you know, dated, kind of weird, racist. References, but. Um,
2: Wait, what? I have never listened to the lyrics of that song. There's racist well, lyrics it's like, in it? It's
1: like. Well, I mean, it's, I guess it's more the music video. They wear, like, uh, Native American headdresses and stuff, because it's, like, fight like a brave.
2: Um, oh. Oh. <laughs>
1: that's, yeah.
2: Uh, that's kind of cringe, bro. I think they're going to lose subscriber.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, like, <laughs> it was also, like, I, I don't think they did it with bad intent, because they've always been kind of, like, even though they're not, like, a leftist radical band, they've always been about, like, pro diversity anti-war like a lot of their lyrics are you know touching on that kind of stuff even if it's not as like radical as rage against the machine were or anything yeah like
2: that. although they were kind of they were kind of homies with rage against the machine i do remember yeah. that. Um, yeah
3: i
1: feel like i yeah, can't
3: hold on to this information but like there are like tons of accusations against them from like gang raping someone
1: against who oh
3: the, the red hot chili peppers the band as a whole yeah
1: whoa i did not know about that
3: no me neither not at all uh yeah i mean like they're basically like a band that's uncancelable because they're so big but like yeah that's out there
1: that is pretty fucked up maybe we should move on then
3: (laughs) And, like, I I feel like someone said at one point that, like, there's just straight-up cancelable stuff all over the Anthony Kiedis book.
2: Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, I've yeah. heard that he talks about, like, fucking, like, underage girls in that book. Um, yeah,
1: but, I mean, he also had a really, like, morally, like, unclear upbringing because his dad was porn star drug dealer.
2: Yes. Yeah. And,
1: like, that stuff is, like, he was, like, basically a kid when, like, most of the book takes place like i don't know i'm not i'm not like an expert i read that book in like probably freshman year of high school and it's sitting in my room somewhere like i don't remember a lot of it but i i do kind of remember that he his dad like let him smoke weed when he was like eight years old and stuff Mm -hmm. and like he almost he almost died from doing heroin at one of his dad's parties when he was like not even 10
2: oh shit
1: yeah because his dad was like you know you can you can do coke but don't touch this pile over here don't touch that and it was like white china heroin and holy
2: shit i feel like i should read this book
1: it's i mean i don't know i i remember it being a pretty interesting book
2: i don't know this this probably just like speaks poorly of me but i just really like uh i i very much enjoy like reading about fucked up shit (laughs)
1: like oh it's definitely fucked up in the beginning because like yeah, his dad's his dad's a bigger piece of shit than I would guess that Anthony Hedis is. He, like, I don't know what allegations there are against him, but the shit that he says about his dad really like speaks volumes about how fucked up his life was.
2: Um, I remember being like twelve and reading American Hardcore and just being like, "Oh shit! All these like legendary hardcore punk bands are just like actually filled with like fucking scumbags." And I'm not sure. Why I expected differently, but I was also 12 and just kind of thought that everyone was like cool. That should and be that, a valid like,
1: expectation. <laughs>
2: yeah, I was 12. It was, I thought people were nice. Um, but yeah, every, ev- like, pretty much every musician that anyone has ever liked is probably kind of a dick, except for uh, Claudio. Except <laughs> for a, me,
3: baby. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh,
2: what have you been listening to, Kyle?
3: <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, I've been listening to Not That Much. I have been enjoying the new Frail Body record that I did not listen to when it came out. It somehow does feel There's like a
2: new Frail Hands record.
3: Oh yeah, I've seen people tweet about that. Uh, yeah, the I do like the Frail Body Record like a lot and if and it still feels like yes, it's a Death Wish release, but it still feels like the thing that they've been kind of like building up to and it sounds awesome. I do like the new Mover Shaker record a ton as well. I think that's a band that hasn't really been brought up on this podcast that much, but um it's they're also one of those bands that's like it's, this is not an emo record. I don't know what the fuck it is, but it like fit it kind of fits in the scene and whatever um but yeah, that record's really good and it sounds like a million things and i don't it's like one of those bands that's like kind of like a team where it's like, how did you like put all these things together and why does it work? Have you all listened to that record though? Another truck stop.
1: Yeah, I, I, play, I You know, I that, I heard that album and I was like, "This is cool." I kind of like uh, Michigania better. Michigania, Michigan. I don't know. Yeah. But, um, and then I, I played with them um, in my town, and they blew me the fuck away. Like they're one of those bands that like their live presence and they're like, they're just they have like a wall of sound. It's it's crazy. They they're so like such a tight band and like they really do make those. Uh, all those elements like come together so smoothly and and they're they're also just like great people like it's it's a good album the only thing i would say like i uh like wasn't a he, like huge on was like the production it, it felt very like guitar heavy i would have liked to hear more like you know drums and and stuff like and vocals like sometimes the vocals felt a little bit washed out i don't know if that was on purpose or it was just like a i don't know i'm, I'm also like i'm not an audiophile contrary to popular belief <laughs> I'm kind of rambling. <laughs> good, good people, good good music, good album.
3: So Mover Shaker put out a playlist that went along with that record of like shit that inspired it and stuff. And there was a Prince song on there that I've never heard. And then I think I'm having my like typical like dude that likes emo music, likes Prince because I feel like everyone that likes like hardcore, you know, like likes something like fucking I don't like Tom Petty. I think I'm having my uh, my moment that I'm like, yeah, fuck yeah, Prince is the best thing that's ever happened to music.
1: I have I mean, a, yeah, Prince
2: fucking rules.
1: <laughs> I've noticed a lot of hardcore people, and I I think Screamo people are super into uh, Kate Bush.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Um, she's one of those like legendary like art pop acts that you're kind of like expected to to be into uh after like a certain age of being a hipster um kind of like the next step after listening to the cure you know as far as like embarrassing like dad rock that hardcore kids like will cop to listen to if you like try and squeeze it out of them i really fucking love the song free bird
3: <laughs> i think that song is like legitimately really really good
1: <laughs> i got shit to say about that that's, yeah that's-
3: i also while i was running i i've been listening to rancid a lot and uh rancid have some very perfect albums i'll stand by outcome the wolves being very good um rancid 2000 2001 also fucking awesome um 2020 stop being afraid to like things that people probably think you're uncool to like but it, it, i mean Ellie just already copped to liking sublime so let's keep it rolling yeah yeah um
2: I I don't really listen to Rancid anymore. Not because like I think it's like uncool to listen to Rancid, because I do think Rancid is still at least cooler to listen to than The Offspring. But uh, I, sometimes I do cue up uh, Maxwell Murder because that is uh, like the best solo of all time. Like objectively, right?
3: Ran- Ran- Rancid's awesome. Descendants are awesome. I don't know. I mean, I can see why people don't like the Descendants because they're annoying. Uh but they have they have very like friend zone core lyrics. Yeah. Yes.
2: But I love them growing up and uh I I think ben McCanney recently did a video about how they kind of like invented the modern template of pop punk, which is a hundred percent true. And I think like uh specifically like their album All which is like half pop-punk songs, half like really weird experimental songs.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, the pop-punk songs are like the best things that they ever did as a band. Yeah. Like Coolidge is an incredible song. Pep Talk is an incredible song. Uh, yeah, just uh, a, a band that I think people got sick of talking about how influential they were. And then now they are kind of like wrapped back around to underrated.
3: Yeah um otherwise i listened to zoo for the first time by denzel curry and uh yeah that's very very good and i'm glad that it's one of those things that like hip-hop heads and you know uh more contemporary like people like mumble not mumble core mumble rap uh can enjoy and just it's just like right in the middle there i i like mumble rap
2: uh hip-hop head shit and the mumblecore film genre so i think you're actually correct on
3: all counts Mm -hmm. yeah all right claudio what have you been listening to
1: fallout boy from under the cork tree has been my most recently played uh album because i i never really gave it a chance you know it to me fallout boy was like associated with like uh just the rest of the shit that i thought was cringy in in middle and high school and i just it just it, it all sounded the same to me anyway like i think one time i was on like a road trip and somebody played the whole album and i was like this has been the same song for 45 minutes but no i i, I got into it recently like some of those songs are bangers uh, what else um the new short fictions record fate's worth and death fate's Worse to death fuck i've really liked this album i think it's the best like Twinkle or Twinkle adjacent, whatever album that's come out in recent memory. Like it's, it's really just like a good album to be sad about the world being fucked up about. Shingard 2020 enough said Shingard 2020. Uh, Oh, um, I got into one of David Bazan's, uh, side projects called headphones. Um, Mm. they're like self-titled LP. Um, that shit is flames i really like it it's like sad and like bleep bloop and shit it's sick
2: (laughs) sad bleep bloop and shit yeah headphones like reminds me of like uh it kind of reminds me of like the postal service but like more dour and like indie indie like postal service is like indie the way everyone thinks about it but uh headphones is like very much in that like Pacific Northwest it's rainy and you got this album on cassette type of indie.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Um, I love David Bazan's music. Like I, I, I fuck with, I, I, my heavy rotation has been Phoenix, page of the lion. Like that's to me, like that's a perfect, like winter be sad album. Cause it's like, I love shit that like, is like narrative and like tells stories. There's that one song I, in that record, uh, uh, i think it's black canyon that's like super like um detailed about his uncle that was a paramedic and the story that he told him it's like it's super sad but it's like it's still really like even though it's like some experience that i'll like never have it's like feels really cathartic anyway like it just is it feels like something i could relate to even though i fully do not oh and i've been i i saw that posture and the grizzly like got back together or like yeah starting to do another album so i I was like, fuck yeah, I almost forgot about them. And I've been listening to Bush Hymns and I Am Satan a bunch like in these past few days.
3: That's the best news. I didn't even know about that.
1: The other reunion that I've been hearing about uh, is... Does any, is this a joke? Is it—is it a joke that fucking Kid Crash are getting back together? Is that, like, real?
3: I
2: th- i think it's a joke. Because, um, cause, like, they've been teasing, like their final album, which they've had done for, like, three years now.
1: <laughs> that sucks. So listen- it just
2: it just comes back, like, every six months or so.
1: Yeah, that's... Damn, I would I would really like to hear that. They should put it out.
2: The thing about Kid Crash that I think is cool is they're one of those bands that actually got, like, much less heavy as time went on. Or, sorry, like, they got much more heavy as time went on. I said that wrong. Like, they started out, like, almost more, like... Pop punky, like just like more of like an accessible screamo band, um and uh, kind of like evolved into like the weird, aggressive, like jazzy dissident thing that we know them to be now.
1: Yeah, it's dope. They're like, uh it fills that like it. It sounds like Twinkle, like it's like Twinkle shit, but it's like I don't know. It's more deep than that. It's like yeah, it's so deep. Like it's something that you would find on Tumblr. No, it's not. I. I don't know. <laughs> and they've been, a, they did that shit like a long time ago before. Like it was cool to do it, which is like, ridiculous.
2: yeah. Yeah. Jokes came out in 2007, which is crazy because like the, tw- like the twinkle scrams thing really started hitting like critical mass in 2010. And I was Midwest.
1: And I was in the second grade when that came out. So
2: that's <laughs> fucked up. Gross. Holy shit. <laughs> 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 you're too young to be on this podcast
1: damn yeah i mean i i turned 21 this year i'll be able to buy my own booze and shit
2: congratulations buy my,
1: own, buy my own jewel pods if it comes down to it
2: oh yeah so if you're not grandfathered in under this like under 21 thing
1: no uh it already it changed in my state in uh july uh and then i so what happened was i went on uh i bought pods before i went on the short Fictions tour. And then I came back on like July seventh, and then they were like, "Sorry, like we can't sell you jewel pods." And I was like, "Why not? I'm in here all the time. Here's my ID." And they were like, "No, like you're not grandfathered in. Like it's just you can't." And I was like, "I was really mad about it, and I still am. Like I still think that's really dumb."
2: Yeah, that's fucking asshole. You definitely should be grandfathered. Like it should be like children born after like 2002 or something can can not buy like tobacco products until they're 21 but that's just like nonsense um oh i think except if you're in the military if you're in the military you get away with it
1: yeah but i don't have any bootlicker friends so that doesn't help me
3: (laughs) okay so i have a couple topics here kind of bigger uh but uh you know it's the beginning of the year. There's not a lot of news. We do have some news to talk about, but it's all kind of catch-up news. Um, <laughs> catch-up news. <laughs> like, uh, remember when Heinz <laughs> made green catch-up? Uh, <laughs> um, so, one of my favorite episodes of Axe Grind was, you know, Bob just said, here's what the episode's about. How's hardcore? And I was like, whoa. That's yeah. su- that was such a cool thing but uh i i I think we kind of alluded to this in to the last episode but like emo is kind of in a weird place like it's like moving around it's we're kind of getting we're all kind of getting sick of it um so the first topic here is what is your relationship to emo currently like are you listening to it are you finding are you actively finding out about new shit how are you finding out out about new shit um so we'll start there uh My relationship to Emo now is, I am not looking for it. Um, If something seems to be getting screamed about enough, i.e. Short Fiction's album, I'm gonna listen to it, but otherwise, like, I'm not gonna be surfing Bandcamp emo revival tags or anything like that. Not that I ever was, but like, I don't know. I'm definitely sick of emo. And that's, yeah. I feel like it's not good for hosts of an emo podcast <laughs> to be like, what oh, kind of
2: sucks <laughs> right now? Because, um, like, the thing is, like, the stuff the stuff that's rising, like, to be to become, like, the cream of the crop right now. Like, stuff like Prince Daddy and Origami Angel and Glass Beach and short fictions, like, off the top of my head. All that's, like, aside from short fictions, none of that stuff is really, like traditionally what we've been calling emo like the past like five or so years and we've also been
3: listening to those bands for the past three years
2: yeah exactly like people are just now kind of like starting to starting to pick up on specifically origami angel and uh prince daddy who've been kind of like making noise for a while i guess like the first glass beach album is like their first like thing and Mm. that sound not completely divorced from email but like the lineage it's taking from is uh, it, you know it's it's a lot more fragmented
1: I actually like I have an opinion about Glass Beach that I don't know if it's been talked about I haven't really been paying attention but to me it just to me like Glass Beach sounds like evolved like Brave Little Abacus like it's like, like the yeah where like it's not it's like that wasn't, it was only considered emo via association with like Captain Jazz and stuff. Um, or like the bands that they were playing with, I guess. Um, is, is that right? Like that Brave Little Abacus were like not, they weren't really hip to emo. They just kind of like were in it.
2: Uh, kind of. I do think Brave Little Abacus like were emo. They just had like a really like left field experimental take on it. And I know that, uh, jay from glass beach is like a huge brave little abacus fam and i can definitely hear that influence T- to me glass beach is a lot less interesting than brave little abacus though
3: <laughs> i mean it doesn't have know. like I... the desperation of brave little abacus had but
1: like yes it's it it's... sounds
3: more like sanded down
2: uh, uh yeah
1: i don't know i feel like ju- i feel like it's you're right it's not as like uh like i don't know like you said like desperate desperate like um But it is a lot more um, accessible in like pop quality uh, without. Oh yeah, Mm. with without even really like getting rid of too many like have its pop qualities. Even though there's like a lot more experimental shit going on, like I think that's something that like that's the reason Brave Little Advocates are only talked about by nerds like us on podcasts um, and not really in the main lexicon of like bands that are like, were around at the same time. Like, they... I think Glass Beach is on a right trend of, like, appealing to, like, Zoomer uh meme shit. And I think that's gonna, like, make them be able to go pretty far. At least right now. Like, I thought it was pretty gigantic that they got picked up by Run For Cover. I th- I did not see that coming, like, no. at all.
3: Yeah. But, oh, like, no. Run For Cover is kind of in, like, this weird space of, like, all of our bands out us or broke up um let's find the right, new one yeah. so let's just i
1: thought i thought run for cover was gonna kind of like fall through the cre- like the same way that like side one dummy kind of just like dissolved i didn't know what really happened with that but i was expecting run for cover to be like all right uh we're just gonna become something completely different now and like we're not doing pop punk and like emo and shit anymore i didn't i i, I think it's good that they got glass beach like i think like um financially and like uh infrastructurally they can they have a lot of like shit that they can provide for them but um yeah i the only thing about glass beach that i can't get past is their like production quality it's it's pretty bad like it's the drums are (laughs) not great at all like the, the, the drums really bug me on that um like the the especially like in the first song um, I think the ox shit sounds really good, but, like, the, um, yeah, like, the drums and the vocals sound really weird sometimes, and not in, like, a, a cool, weird way, in like, a, in, like, the we recorded this in our basement way. But, you know, that's just how it be. I can't- But I,
3: that's I'm, also I'm, one of the things where it's, like, this was literally not made for Run for Cover to hear. It was made for, like, just something to appear on Bandcamp, and then people just kept tweeting Glass Beach Band until they got signed to Run for Cover. <laughs> So it's like right, yeah. <laughs> that's like not what they were trying <laughs> yeah. to do, you know. And
1: no, I, I know that's that. like,
3: like one of those things that like emo deals with all the time is like people glom onto this shit that sounds horrible.
2: Yeah, the, did I, Run for I, Cover like fund their music video? Oh.
1: It came out. It came out <laughs> on their YouTube channel, I think.
2: Why? Why are, are people still making YouTube or sorry, music videos in like 2020?
1: Because this shit's fun.
3: Oh, that's fair. Did you spend any (laughs) money on yours, though, Claudio?
1: Uh, We paid our friend because she filmed it and edited it for us. Um, But we didn't, like, go out and hire somebody. She was just our friend. We were thinking about doing another one to kind of, like, end the -the off-the-goop cycle and attempt to, like, have something to fill the gap between when off-the-goop came out and when our next thing's going to come out. But with Liam going away, I don't think that'll, that'll happen. I think Gami's music videos are probably the best music videos that have come out, like, from DIY in, in like, any recent memory. Like, they're really well-coordinated and, like, creative and outside-of-the-box and weird.
2: Well, I do think there's a difference between, like, straight-up DIY music videos and then, like, labels, like, actually putting money into music videos. You know what I mean? Like Yeah,
1: I actually don't know if Run For Cover, like, paid for it, uh, paid for the video. I do remember them tweeting about, like, filming it pretty, like, a, a good gap of time before that they were, like, fully signed to run for cover, or, like, announced it at least. They could have been in the works with them, though. Like, they could have already been working stuff out. They could have mm-hmm. added that to their, like, uh, to their contract. I don't
2: know. Word. But, yeah. And then, like, Prince Daddy is, like, a like a like they're basically just Weezer. And I don't mean that in a bad way. I just feel like there's, like, a lot of parallels between um, Cosmic Thrill Seekers and, like, Songs from the Black Hole. And Origami Angel is uh, just, like, a hodgepodge of a whole bunch of shit. Um, so I think the thing about about emo right now is that people are, like, really scrambling to find, like, a new sound to, to glom onto. Um, and th- that's why, like those three bands Prince that origami angel and glass beach have kind of become some of the biggest hype bands is because all of them are like exhibiting com- a completely new and different approach to the genre. Um, and it's different from like, like the frat emo mom jean stuff that, that has been getting hype. And I think people are starting to like really grow fucking sick and tired of that.
1: Yeah. It's like, um, it everything that really could have been done and said in within the confines of like twinkle emo and then even twinkle emo into pop punk it's like what else is there to say i was even talking about this with fernando last night i was like they should have ended pop punk at neck deep like they should have been like okay this is the line like we reached it like there's no more like they've used all the power yeah They've said all the things about the ex girlfriends and pizza and bony knees and fucking sleepy eyes and listening to songs in the old car. Like that's it. Like it's all done.
2: Um, well, what's 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 the current high pop punk band stuff like Grayscale and uh, Water Parks? I like it literally
1: names I've heard sound, a lot.
2: It sounds like Disney shit. Like, yeah, and I don't mean that as a pejorative. It just is not. It's not DIY. Um, well, so I, that's not really, I like, I don't really hear people talking about it. Like in my circles,
1: the interesting thing about, um, both pop punk and emo is that they're both heading towards the direction of easy core. Like they're both, they're all getting heavier. Like they're all having like breakdowns and shit and like, including like, you know, stuff that we were hearing from like Shunk No Captain Chunk and a data remember in like, you know, 2008, because like. I don't know, it's just because, like, people like hardcore and people like breakdowns and breakdowns are hype, and people also like fun shit. Like, people like to listen to music about smoking weed and, like, you know, having fun with your friends and, like, I don't know, like, the this, this sad shit is kind of, like, played out at, at this point in time. Mm-hmm. Unless you're, like, yeah. unless you're, like, an indie artist or, like, somebody like, you know, like David Bazan, who's, like, constantly writing, you know, like, new and, like, weird but relatable shit i don't know there's like a a select number of people right now that can pull it off
2: and obviously the wave has been hip-hop for a while but like we've made this point over and over and over again that the kids who would be starting new pop punk bands and new emo bands are instead just becoming like rappers in the in the emo rap type of vein and uh Finn, I think Finn McKenney made this point already, but like when you listen to like a lot of like the stuff like Little Lotus or Little Gucci High Waters, it, it really just sounds like pop punk, but with more noticeable auto tune and with eight oh eights instead of acoustic drums.
1: Yeah. That's totally yeah. like a thing. Like People is People's doing that too. Like
3: Yeah. I mean the note in here is emo being eclipsed by hardcore or maybe even indie oh, for- like like do you think that uh, like like just the popularity of hardcore and the appeal of indie have made emo glossed over for like maybe like a, a year or two? Like like I guess it puts yeah. it puts emo almost like behind.
1: I absolutely think that. I think that like hardcore as a genre is like more every it's like everything about emo but better. Like it's like it's just like <laughs> Yeah everything even politically and like socially and like i don't know it's just like it's what it's what people really want to hear but like it's kind of hard to find because of this weird uh like band like stigma i want to say like bands like that are like in local scenes and like bands that aren't like huge they have this weird adversity to like promoting their shit online and having like more than just a band camp page out of I guess fear of looking like a poser or looking like a local band, like I don't really get that, but I know that there's like a lot of a lot of cool bands doing like new and innovative shit that are like kind of getting glossed over in favor of like metalcore Revival shit that like doesn't really need to be a thing
2: yeah, um the thing I've noticed, I think this has been the case. You know, starting even in, like, 2014, but it's definitely the case now uh, that, like, like emo bands that kind of gets to some level of popularity become subsumed into the indie industrial complex. And then on the Screamo side, it's kind of going in two directions. Half of Screamo is just kind of going, like, fuck it, I guess we're metalcore now. And, like being usurped into the hardcore scene and then the other half of Screamo is like fuck it we're still Screamo we're still like ultra DIY hardcore but they don't like get noticed outside of playing in basements Uh, and to some degree they're fine with that because that's like they want but the bands that are like trying to make a career out of it are all going into like the metalcore direction
3: Uh, and I even think there's there are a lot of places to go in hardcore right now. Like there's more labels in hardcore than there are for emo too. Is that true?
1: Yeah, because God knows Um,
2: people wouldn't
1: accept Sparkle Punk as, you know, their fate.
3: Yes.
2: (laughs) Honestly, I'm gonna point to the rejection of Sparkle Punk as like the reason Emo died kind of in twenty nineteen. If people had just if people had just kind of rode that wave, I really think we'd be in a different spot people it just kind of atomized like everything kind of like disintegrated and people started going in like a whole bunch of different lanes and you can see it on the subreddit like even more than before emo is just kind of like a catch-all for like this vague diy scene where everyone kind of sounds the same but also not at the same time The thing of hardcore is that hardcore is kind of having like a mainstream moment right now, which I wrote an article about that at the beginning of twenty nineteen and then at the end of twenty nineteen someone from Billboard ripped my entire article off. But that's a that's a different story. (laughs)
0: Damn.
3: (laughs) Was that the one where the person talked to like Patrick Kindland and all those other people? Yeah. So I do want to also throw an indie in this conversation because I think indie is having its sad its sad boy, sad girl music. Uh, moment for sure i don't know if we're i don't know if emo's losing clout because of it but like i definitely think of these um i mean there's tons of artists i haven't even listened to but they're definitely like just i don't know like like your soccer mommies you're smaller than soccer mommies too like they're it's definitely like your J jay brekkies Yeah, Yeah, but, like, there's ones that are just, like, truly just, like, sad, sad boy, like, bedroom pop stuff that's happening. And I feel like this is happening. I was going to say, it's like a... Like, this is, like, round two or round three of it. Yeah, it's the second wave of bedroom pop, for
2: sure. Maybe even the third wave of bedroom pop. And it's, like, uh, much more popular than this stuff ever was before. Like, before it was just kind of, like, dominating a very, like, niche... Kind of like Tumblr-y subset of yeah. DIY. Now that Tumblr is not really a thing, it just kind of is the wave.
3: And then, like somehow, some of the stuff is adjacent to emo trap too. I did like about five minutes of like looking around of that bladey person. <laughs> it's blade. It's blade. Okay. Yeah, it's blade. Blade. Yeah. Uh, and like I just don't even understand what's he's... going on there. Like, oh, he's around
2: for a minute. Um. Because you know, Young Lean's been around for a while and he's been part of Young Lean's posse for forever. Um, and yeah, the, I think that stuff, like the Young Lean blade, like the drain gang stuff, is not quite like emo trap or emo rap. It's just kind of like sad rap. And I was texting you about this like back in 2013, 2014. It's, you know, it, if you listen to Young Lean, I meant you wore like a bucket hat and like DMed girls on Tumblr about Spooky Black. Like that's that's what that meant, but now like it's it's like fucking huge. Like it's a, it's an unstoppable force, and I think like the link between like the rap stuff and the bedroom pop stuff is Tyler the Creator's more recent material. <laughs>
3: yeah,
2: um, it, it kind of is like a like a bridge, because you know it's like the the production is really like lush and gorgeous, and it's easy to go from like this kind of like lush, overproduced... I mean, overproduced isn't the right word, but it feels really lush for, like, bedroom pop. It's easy to bounce from that to this, like, spacey type of, uh, lay, like, Echo 2K. That that sort of thing.
3: It's, it's, it's weird because, like, I know that shit is not for me at all. It's for, like, very young people or something. I don't know. Because, like, I just don't understand I, it. I like it. Yeah, I'm into it. I guess where does that leave us? I mean, like, what's the future of emo then? Is it are are we gonna just have to wait a couple years for it to become a thing again? You think?
1: I think it's gonna go more in the direction of punk. Like, I think it's gonna keep going, like angrier. It's gonna it's gonna go like circle all the way back to like a motive hardcore. I can guarantee
2: it. Mm. A band like Charity and stuff like that, I think are kind of, and Anxious, Anxious I yep. think are going to be the new wave, because um, they're definitely rooted in hardcore right now, but you know, Title Fight eventually uh, uh, wrapped their way from hardcore to emo and pop punk, and I think that's kind of what like these bands are going to do.
3: The thing is that I know that there's, that there's someone listening to this in some city that has a really popping scene right now and it's gonna be like what the fuck are these fools talking about emo is alive and well and like that's very that very well can be the case <clears throat> but like i think just from an internet's perspective i mean there aren't that many emo touring bands right now there
1: really aren't like that's you can have like a flourishing scene and only have like five bands and yeah. still not feel like you know and like those bands don't even have to, like, blow up, like, there's places in fucking, like, like, for example, Falston, Maryland, you know, Morning Dew scene, like, that's, that's a place where, like, people don't really, like, pay attention to internet shit at all, other than, like, you know, probably, probably Sammy is, like, one of the only people, Sammy Heck is, like, one of the only people who actively participates on, like, Twitter and, and, you know, like, actually, like, keeps up with shit. A lot of that shit is just, like, people go to shows because that's the thing to do and like that to me is like the purest form of DIY like I wish that like you know I could get to that point of like not having to give a shit about the internet and like just kind of being a band and like having like a active like one-on-one fan base like but unfortunately we are permanently logged on as Ellie says so that's yeah unless unless you start out that way and end that way it's you're just kind of doomed
2: to be online terminally online terminally online you know it's a shame that i wrote like this super articulate piece um because i think it just drained my ability to like do words uh so i just sound like a like a fucking dumbass this entire podcast
1: (laughs) well it's okay because that was a really really well written article
2: Oh thank you. I yeah. appreciate that.
3: Um so we've so we're already an hour in. Do you wanna talk about your your piece or do you want to table it for another time or like Alright, so
2: um yesterday I put an essay kind of about uh DIY and its relationship with uh liberal politics in contrast with, like, leftist politics and kind of the way that uh, online DIY culture has kind of, like, failed us, either because of the way it's allowed neoliberalism to co-opt identity politics and use, like, hollow representation as a replacement for uh, um, actual empowerment And, and Uh, the way that DIY has kind of weaponized cancel culture in a really uh, gross counterproductive way that has nothing to do with the restorative justice that everyone likes to talk about. Um, So you can go read that piece uh, at youdon'tneedmaps.substack.com It's called Let's Talk About DIY Twitter and I would suggest going and reading it before we get into this discussion Okay, cool I'm glad you're back um, Kyle and Claudia, you both read this piece. So what were, what were your thoughts on it?
1: I really liked it. Um, I thought it was, it put a lot of things like, um, into words that like I felt, but like didn't really know how to, um, like phrase myself because like, I'm not, um, as involved in like, I don't know, like politics of the scene as I should be. Like the, like the thought of that stuff kind of gives me anxiety due to like, that one time that i was like thrust into it and i just like since then i've been kind of avoiding like you know talking about it outside of my like in real life friend group um
2: yeah well it's an anxiety inducing space because of how like angry and defensive everyone is
1: yeah everybody has their uh their takes and they're like everybody's like outraged about something even if it's like you're on the same like, team and so it's like I don't know. It's not like I actively avoided it. If it ever came up in conversation, I would talk about it. And it's still something that, like, um, is, like, super important, and I probably should, you know, take more of a public stance on shit because of, like, my privilege of, like, having a platform like my band. But, yeah, like, back to the, the article. Like, I, I really thought it was um, well put, especially I really like the part about how a lot of people don't put their uh, – you know, the way they tweet about politics and their like diversity and, and, you know, leftism and stuff, they don't put that shit into practice and they kind of just like say the same shit to the same people who agree with them and then give themselves a pat on the back or a cookie for, you know, even thinking about diversity or like having, you know, a non cis straight white man on a bill. Like it's like, it, it's, there's a lot more to that than they like people even like really say and I really respect that it was, like, it's kind of like a, it sh- that shit should be put on a zine and given out to people as they walk into shows. Like, it just kind of, it's like an outline of everything that, like, is wrong with the scene right now. And I think everybody should read it. I think that it should be uh, talked about way more.
2: Yeah, kind of wrapping it up back to, like, what is our relationship to emo right now? I think a lot of the reason that, We feel alienated from emo as a scene is because it's kind of like Descended into this morass of It's too it's too socially complex for anyone to parse without like immediately being attacked
1: and also like people's uh People's stances change on shit really quick and it's kind of hard to everything's moving so fast that like the public opinion on somebody or something will change so quickly that like yeah there's kind of a whiplash and then it's like a flash in the pan and then so like that people are like oh yeah this is what we think now and then there are some people who are like oh what what happened to this like what what's the deal with this and they're like it's not my job to educate you dick go fucking read a book yeah
2: the opinion that was woke to have last week is now problematic to have this week and it's gonna be (laughs) fine again next week it's it's real fucking weird kyle
3: what did you think I thought it was as dominant. Like it it it's like it's it's very hard to just be like you're wrong about anything cuz everything is just so it's been true the whole time. You know what I mean? Like it's something that like no one wanted to put into this manifesto like you did, I guess. And I I know that you personally got like DMs from people mentioned in the article and stuff. Um Yeah. And I thought that was like brave of you to name drop like Nicole's experience in there or not her experience rather than just like. I mean, when I was talking about Nicole, I kind
2: of was, you know, trying to take accountability for the fact that I I feel like I participated in trying to take away her space to grow as a person and improve, which I think she's still capable of. (laughs) And I do think like. People who are marginalized are much more vulnerable to being victims of counterculture and then that isolation, you know, uh, from a community that they thought was always going to, to be there, a community that they rely on for, like, emotional support. That gets stripped away and, you know, it's so easy for people to fall into, into self-harm or be more susceptible to harm from others when they don't have, like, a community backing them up and you know i with with some people i do as i say in the article i do think it's best for them to just go the fuck away but i try i i think we should try and err on the side of uh helping people learn and grow like that should be the the purpose of this progressive scene that we're trying to build because you can't you can't have a progressive society when people aren't on the same page but it's hard to get people on the same page when instead of trying to educate them you just kind of drop them into a boiling pit like a like sorry i got off track i think it's hard it's hard to educate people when you know they have a fucked up perspective if your first response is just to cut them off you know
1: <laughs> and also you mentioned like something that I feel like needs to be brought up even though I dread bringing it up like every time is that that's true for some cases. And then in other cases, you just have to like, this person cannot be trusted and they have to be like dropped off. And like, that's like where you brought up, you know, like Lou diamond in the article, like that was a thing that like, it was a whole more sinister, like, you know, thing. Yeah. Like it's still, and it's like, it's been so long since that happened. And, like, now they're, like, trying to come back again. Like, I'm not trying to promote it. Like, I'm trying to, like, not name drop anywhere it's coming from. But, like, I've seen it and it's, like, the fact that, like, that person, it's clear that there's no real rehabilitation possible there. Like, it's maybe, maybe on their own. Like, maybe at some point. But, like, that moved so far beyond, like, a, you know a community being able to like like help and like kind of steer towards accountability that it was it was just like no like
2: yeah because they're, they're like spider web of manipulation is just like so far woven like and they're still like bringing in kids who i think a lot of people who are like maybe younger or newer to the scene and kind of i don't want to say grooming them But like, definitely, like, I don't know. Fuck it, grooming them. Uh, You know, to just kind of overlook the shit they've done and and say that they've grown, even though they've done nothing to show that they actually have grown. Um, So yeah, I do. I do just want to. I did just want to emphasize that that I do think like sometimes just straight up canceling someone is good for the general health and well being of the community. Mm -hmm. But yeah i've been i was really surprised by the response it got it like did iron man numbers on twitter um lots of people dm'd me about it um and really i was just expecting to get canceled for it
3: (laughs) (laughs) well like did did you like uh, i guess one i wanted to ask like what what was the catalyst for you writing this or like about this topic like or was it just something that you had finally like came to a conclusion on with your own thoughts or something yeah this had been like
2: percolating in my head for like a month now and i'm sure people could tell because i was just kind of like really dming them about it when it got brought up um like i think i was even like texting you about it like a couple days ago um or like a couple days before i started writing it and then contrapoints, uh, who is canceled f- for her own shit? Um, but she put out the video on canceling, and I was like, I-, I can apply a lot of the logic in this video to what's going on in the DIY scene, and I think it's important that we talk about it from a left-wing, like kind of s- more socially responsible perspective. Because another thing that happened is, you know, I post the article on on our emo which was a fucking mistake because half the people who commented on that were like chuds who are just like cancel culture should be canceled. One person commented on it like I'm a libertarian and blah, blah, blah. Uh, As soon as you say you're a libertarian, I don't want fucking anything to do with your opinion. Uh, You know, uh, but also do you remember when we almost got canceled because of that whole shortly thing
3: more? Yeah yeah
2: yeah. so one of the people who was kind of like dragging our ass over it uh they're in a band they like read the article and uh replied to it on twitter uh with their band account and they were just like hey this was a really well-written article and it kind of like made me reevaluate the actions of myself and my friends and um I think that's that's been my favorite response that I've gotten so far is <laughs> I just want I just want people to no, i I'm serious. Like I just want people yeah. to like kind of reevaluate the way they've been they've been doing shit. And some people learned a lesson from it. Other people didn't. Uh, I think we're gonna get to it with uh, the Fredo disco talk later, but I think people uh, kind of just ignored it and went back to their old ways immediately.
1: <laughs> um on that note i'm gonna hop into target real quick and buy a phone charger because my shit's about to die um i'll okay, still be on cool. the call i'm just i'm just gonna probably put it on mute so okay
2: uh, Word. hold up all right i think that's actually like a perfect time for us to pivot to talking about adult mom yes because <laughs> claudia said that he didn't want it to <clears throat> You don't want to have anything to do with that conversation. All right. So the the Tiny Engines pseudo cancellation is what you have it labeled as.
3: Yes. So this happened the the top of December, or the top of November. Uh, adult Mom basically took to Twitter um, that they have not been getting paid royalties from Tiny Engines. Um, That they asked about getting out of their contract with Tiny Engines, but Tiny Engines owns their masters, it will not give them that stuff, and basically went on a Twitter tirade, being transparent about this stuff. And it got as far as a a tweet that's saying, the business model of of Tiny Engines, take advantage of non-men on your label and attempt to manipulate them while stealing the money that they owe you from your failing business afloat. Yeah, adult mom not getting paid and then getting laughed at for asking to get paid or asking for proof of um of royalty statements and stuff like that and saying like I have a family. I'm not I can't pay you and stuff like that. Um basically read the Twitter thread before me trying to summarize it. It's a very long thread. Um
2: yeah if you google adult mom tiny engines i think there's like a stereo gum or a consequence of sound like rundown of it that that's pretty good
3: yeah um so tiny engines has essentially i mean you could still buy your records from them but they stopped like they have not tweeted promoted anything they're basically just open for shop and that's it yeah so
2: obviously it Fucking awful! What happened to Adult Mom? Like, I, I think this is uh the this is definitely a situation of just extreme incompetence on Tiny Engines' part, and it I definitely think that with uh with what what with, with what Tiny with what Adult Mom said about the way that Tiny Engines was talking to them about it. Uh, it also crosses over into just straight up like disrespectful territory yeah. and
3: I kind of like think attempted like, manipulation of I have a family. Yes. Yeah, that's that's straight
2: up like emotional manipulation, like right out of the playbook. Also, in this little write up you have, did they overstep by calling out? I don't know. I, I don't know if they overstep by calling out because I feel like at, at a certain point. It seemed like it had been building up for so long that the only way they felt they could get recourse was by talking about it publicly. And, and trying to like,
3: that opened up a ton of former yeah, uh, signees being like, this sounds familiar. Yeah. And when enough people are saying that, when enough people are
2: like saying that this is like a pattern, uh, I think that then you have like a real big problem on your hands. And... I am not sure how Tiny Engines gets out of it. Like, I don't think they have any, like, real assets to liquefy, and it just sounds like they're in massive debt uh, from all the mechanical royalties that they owe.
3: Yeah. Um, and the
2: worst part is, seems to be kind of, like, unofficial debt.
3: <laughs> yeah. So, I can't speak of this from, like, running a label perspective or something, but, like, I think, like, asking a truly independent label like for royalty statements is i mean like i could probably imagine there's no one doing much bookkeeping and i can yeah. imagine someone be like uh let me get back to you and then like doing their books for the first time in like two months and then giving yeah. you something back that's negligent for sure um but like i know it's for, negligent it, and it's I was gonna say I know for a fact that Asian Man Records like does pay out royalties and it's incredibly small and to the point where I think it was Pet Symmetry that was like Fuck you giving us royalties, we're gonna take you out to dinner, Mike Park, because you're the best person to ever do this. Um, so like <laughs> I it could be like extremely bad if you're not making much money and you just want the money that you're owed yeah i think
2: um and this is in no way a defense of tiny engines um but i do think people in general kind of overestimate like how much money labels make and, and the kind of like just the kind of uh, the amount of people that they have on staff slash like the amount of, like the ability that they are able to like work on label shit outside of their real life um and in my opinion, the answer to that is, you know, don't start a label if you're not going to be able to, like, keep to your shit and make sure people are paid for responsibly, obviously.
3: Yeah.
2: Um, and and um, for example, like Deathwish is a shockingly small label, um, despite their clout. And they're also completely able to pay out royalties same with like a number of other hardcore labels like triple b for example and triple b has like way too many people signed to it like i have no idea how the fuck sam does it yeah um to me this uh this speaks to just people in diy um you know being too optimistic um and if not handshake deals, then entering into very shaky legal agreements yeah, and may like just opening themselves up to being fucked over. That sounds kind of victim blamey, but again, I want to say that adult mom is not the one in the wrong here whatsoever. Right. Um, but I do, I do think people should, um, I think, I think adult mom was not wrong to call this out publicly. Um, and I do think that, like, the, like a public accountability process was probably the only way that they felt they could get recourse or any actual justice. Um, and, and I think there's like a cynical mindset uh, that would say that you know, Adult Mom kind of grifted uh, the situation into kind of into kind of like advertising their band over everyone else on the label, and. I don't really want to say one way or the other on that, uh, but I, I do think uh, overall it came off kind of like um, self-centered. And I I realize that's probably like due to the fact that, you know, this has been frustration building up for a really long time. Yeah. And so obviously when it comes out, it's going to be like, a kind of like i've been getting fucked over tirade yeah um i will so i think i think that consequence is unintentional
3: yeah i think a way to look at this is that and this is unfavorable of course but like adult mom uses twitter for this purpose a lot like you know yeah uh, like not getting paid handsomely uh touring musician is basically the genre of their Twitter account. And say if this came from, like, Strange Rangers account instead of Adult Mom, like, it would have been a way different game. Like, everyone would have been like, holy fuck, Tiny Engines, what a fucking piece of trash label. Instead, there are some people that were rolling their eyes at this. Which is interesting. Which is a feminist lens to look at it is like, uh but like uh-huh. um yeah it's it's kind of fascinating because it's such a pseudo cancellation that like like no like i i think i think tiny engines could probably put out a record like at the end of this year and it wouldn't be the, the worst thing in 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 the world like i think that people would would like allow it to happen
2: there's there's a feminist lens to look at it which is that like this is uh someone who's not a man You know, coming out and saying, I've been taken advantage of, and people are rolling their eyes at it, which is gross. Yeah. Um, It feels ignorant to say that, like, in Adult Mom's case specifically, this is kind of like, oh, the person who cried wolf. um, Because they, like you said, they kind of just tweet constantly and seemingly make themselves the victim constantly. But in this case it does it does seem to be that they actually uh are you know the victim of the situation yeah 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 i will say there are uh, i don't want to i don't want to name names but like several people have like talked to me in private about being uh scared of adult mom's twitter presence <laughs> uh, because yeah. their following is very cult-like um Kinda in the same way that Haley Butters, like the the absent father, of this band fucks, community is very cult-like, and so uh, anyone that they cancel will deal with severe ire. But I think that's kind of balanced out by in ti- in the Tiny Engines case by the amount of other people who uh, came out and backed up Adult Mom. Um, yeah, and it's it's fucked up that you know the reason that. We're ascribing credibility to adult mom's claims is because other people are backing it up. Yeah, it's it's a really fucking messy, complex situation from mm-hmm. both a uh, both just like an economic responsibility standpoint and also from like a, a social context standpoint. Uh,
3: I uh, I want to wrap the tie engines talk up, but uh, I think I, I think the interesting another in interesting thing about this is, like, it's a small label. I don't think people are expecting to sign to Tiny Engines and be on Tiny Engines forever because it seems like just a, 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 a diving board label. You sign to your first indie because you're a small-ass band and then you go to a bigger label. And, like, Tiny Engines has that machine to actually make you a bigger band because you put out a, a record label. I mean, a record on a real re- record label. And you got the features because Tiny Engines has that pull, but I guess we found out that the downfall is that you don't get paid. Yes. Yes. Uh, Uh, And like
2: a shout out to Chatbot Records for actually like giving a shit, like we said last time. mm -hmm. (laughs) And like I do, I need to
1: hop back in.
2: Yeah, I do. Just want to say at the end of at the end of all this. There are DIY labels that are run by good people who take the time and uh, make sure that their bands are taken care of, and we should be doing our best to support labels like that, and and we should be doing what we can to make Tiny Engines take some accountability for what happened to adult mom. And everyone. Which has no bearing on how much... Yeah, and everyone else. Which has no bearing on
3: how I feel about... uh,
2: adult mom in general okay
3: uh 15 minutes we're gonna talk about snowing fredo disco and my chemical romance okay all right now time to uh
1: to to step in with some conversation here about uh alfredi alfredo fettuccine disco
3: (laughs) frederick discotheque
1: yeah, yeah. Right. So, um,
3: so 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 currently, just put a timestamp on it, Fredo Disco is tweeting uh about people hating him currently. The and and specifically just name searching and finding his that people don't like Fredo Disco.
1: Yeah. So let's let's take it back a little bit yes. to uh, twenty seventeen. Um, twenty seventeen, uh, he started posting Like uh, SoundCloud links to his songs on like the emo subreddit, and like was gaining some traction. You know, like as as you know, people who write modern baseball mom jean songs do. Like they just, you know, people like that shit. So they were like kind of bumping it. And um, the only thing was that he had uh, a Reddit handle. His Reddit username back then was. uh, Hi there, it's Hitler. (laughs) Yeah. So um, that was a little bit alarming, and was so like. Everybody was kind of just side eyeing him, like, uh, and he was like, Oh, no, it's just like you know, a joke. But, um, the, the more we in- interacted with him, he actually, I was trying to put together some like compilation back then, I don't remember what it was for. There were a couple that I tried to do, but, um, to give like a reference, this is like before the the rain compilation came out, the, the one that was, uh, the I think it was We Believe You,
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, that yeah. was our but this was, like, taking place before that. So, like, way, you know, back – a lot of shit's happened since then. But, uh, you know, we were kind of, like – we had, like, a Twitter friend group, you know, and he really wanted to be in it. And so, like, we had him. But he was constantly just, like, saying or, or like, singing about, like, stuff that was pretty, you know, like, ignorant and, like, kind of sexist. And, like, so, uh, I think one of the, one of the big things that happened was that he tried to just – he tried to call a song just bitch. Like he wanted to call a song on his EP bitch. And that the, the hook was that you're just a bitch because it's about an ex-girlfriend or whatever. And like people tried to be like, hey, you know, baby, don't uh, do that. And he was like, <laughs> all right, I guess. Like, I don't know. I don't think it's that bad. And people were like, no, it's kind of that bad. Like you shouldn't do that. And then it was just from then on, it was just kind of a laundry list of like us being like, how many times do we have to tell you This is not like this is beyond the point of like educating somebody because he's he's my age. You know, we were going into this at the same point and it was always me that had to be the one that to be like, hey, um, yeah, that's not you can't say shit like that. But then, you know, as time went on, like, you know, he was just kind of doing his own thing. And like, uh, I think I'm not sure if it was Liam or somebody else, but somebody went back on his Instagram, the one that he made his band Instagram And found like pictures of him and his friends doing like racist caricatures of Asian people. And we were like, whoa, like this is kind of fucked up and like talk to him about it. And we were like, hey, man, like you kind of really need to explain yourself. And he was like, oh, I'm sorry. You know, it was like a different time. It was like, you know, and we were like, "Ah, like fucking whatever, man, like delete that shit. And it, 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 at that point was when we started to, like, not be friends. We were like, fuck this guy, you know, and we, we made fun of him a lot behind his back because he's, he makes he rips off mom jeans and modern baseball blatantly. And it was like funny. Um, and then I guess uh, it, <laughs> I think word got out that we were like uh, us and a bunch of other bands that I won't name for their own sake. But like we were like talking mad shit about it and just making fun of him because he kind of kind of post cringe all the time. And that's when he kind of like just became his own thing where he was like more just into pop punk. And he somehow got that like record deal with like, first, I think he got picked up by like a booking, like uh, APA thing. Yeah. And he got on support slots on a bunch of those. Like, I think he toured with like Boston Manor and like, I I know there's like one, I have Mercy one announced and like Hot Mulligan and shit like that. It was like, damn. uh, um, And then he got signed by that. I think it's a subsidiary of like Electra and Warner. Is that right?
2: Fucking insane. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's correct. He's
1: so this whole time that we've been like doing the DIY thing, he's, you know, been getting big off of these like ripoff songs, basically like the modern jeans and modern baseball stuff. And like people have been like continually like snowball effect. Like he's just getting big. Like it's just what happens. So now we're at a point where we've gone too long without roasting him publicly and when he actually like acts up and post-cringe, we are like, Yeah, fuck this guy. Remember this dude? Fuck him. And people are like, What what are you talking about? I like Fredo. I, is this just a meme? Is this like heart attack man where you like don't like him but you do? <laughs> like, what's wrong with Fredo? What did he do? <laughs> and so now it's just one of those things where like, am I really gonna like every person that says, What happened with Fredo? Am I really gonna list out fucking all that shit? Like I'm sure I'm leaving out stuff because it was like a good like six months to a year that we were like talking to him and like he was like active but like it's just one of those things where like now is the time where he decides to come back and like start trying to like he he thinks that he just has haters like he thinks that it's just haters haters man i'm not gonna listen to haters but like it's people just trying to educate you even after all the done shit that you've done and it's i'm really yeah. fed up with it like i'm really just done and today i made a tweet that was like it's funny to me that like people think that they can educate Fredo without him screaming to his followers about cancel culture as if we didn't already try that three years ago. Yeah. And then I said, in the replies, I said, stop listening to him. Stop going to his shows. Tell your friends to do the same until he listens and puts in some legwork for once. Stats and ticket sales are the only thing that will make his ears perk up. I guarantee it. And, uh, yeah, I'm starting to get some, uh, some, some feedback to put it lightly on that.
2: Oof. <laughs> the thing that's crazy to me is like even despite the fact that he's really young and keeping in mind that you were the same age and have managed to pick up on shit way faster just the fact that he continues to fuck up over and over and over again and people started out so patient and I think it's only logical that people are just kind of fed up with him now and are being like kind of short tempered about it but I think the most annoying thing is the way his persona has shifted from like Reddit Edge Lord to like Ulu Small Bean mm-hmm. on, on his Twitter? <laughs> yeah, uh, because uh, there's like an unspoken kind of association between being an Ulu Small Bean and being like performatively woke, and I think that perfectly demonstrates like the transformation he has made from being like deliberately edgy, like I'm gonna name a song "Bitch" to what he is now, where you know, he just, just keeps, like, making, like, these these minor fuck-ups. But it's okay because he's an SJW now.
1: <laughs> but it's, like, it just kind of goes to show the, like, privilege you can have as a cis straight white guy. Like, literally, like, everybody has been just throwing shit at him, throwing him record deals, throwing him support slots. And, like, he's still somehow, like, people have been endlessly patient with him. And he still it hasn't gotten it through his brain that, like... He's a douchebag.
2: <laughs> yeah. I think when you're when your like solution or your answer to this is to like act actively whine about cancel culture rather than like trying to take stuff into account. Like he pays lip service to the idea of like learning and growing. But every I time mean, he, he does, yeah,
3: because that's yeah. what's him out of trouble.
2: But there's a limit. <laughs> it's just over and over and over again. And I think he needs to like take a minute. I think he needs to take a fucking break. And it's weird It's because weird I'm, like, drawing parallels to, like, Nick from McCafferty. Like, yeah, yeah I don't think necessarily done anything as egregious, but, like, there's similarities in just, like, the frequency of fucking up and the fact that he keeps saying, oh, I'm going to be better, and then just is
3: not. <laughs> but, like,
0: that's and the, the thing, thing about,
1: about Fredo- Oh, sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt.
3: I was just gonna say, there's constantly like, there's this thing that I don't know why it always happens, but like with Fredo Disco, with McCafferty, with Jank, people are constantly like, they like miss the whole thing about them being awful people, and they're and they'll like be like, oh, I love this band, and it's like, oh, well, we have to have this conversation again because it's because it, because they they're still like in some respect DIY that it's not like brand new where we all know, like you aren't supposed to listen to brand new, but like there's constantly people are just like yeah. discovering jank and being like this band rocks and we just have to.
2: Well, again, I don't even think it's like a, like you have to stop listening. Like it's more just like but
3: it's just an
2: adaptation into like more of a holistic worldview. Yeah. Um, with, with like DIY stuff like this specifically, can I tell y'all a secret? Sure. Yeah. These people are, like, fucking feigning ignorance, Like, they are pretending to not be aware just so they can lure you into the trap of having the same bullshit separate the art from the artist argument over and over and over again. You think so? 100%. I 100% believe this. Okay. Because people's response is never, like, oh, okay, I get it, I'll, you know, like... And, uh, you know, Fredo's just on Twitter. You can just, like, at him and, like... Ask him, hey, what the what the fucks up with the shit? Like, but people are people who are initially on his side who express that initial like, oh, I love radio disco, are not the ones doing that.
1: <laughs> That's kind of a good point. I never really that never really even like crossed my mind.
2: Um, yeah, yeah, it feels very like almost astroturfy in a way. Like, I definitely don't think he's like paying people to do this, but like, is that I? I feel like it's like a concerted effort to just try and like overwhelm and make us just like stop giving a shit
0: Mm -hmm.
1: yeah that's really weird Um, I think it's like a it's a lot more like um, straightforward with like uh, Fredo because it's like nobody's saying that he's like cancelled yeah I think the thing is that like he's not
2: harmful he's just irritating
1: yeah it's like nobody keeps saying like i haven't seen a single person be like fuck fredo forever he's fucking out for good nobody's saying that everybody keeps gently just like being like hey um maybe you shouldn't like use that like pepe screeching meme because it was like based on making fun of like artistic people um maybe just like maybe don't say that and then he's just like Fucking cancel culture. Fucking, these people are haters. I'm done interacting with the haters. I'm going back to just making fun tunes. And it's like, yeah. he just doesn't listen. So, like, you have to say shit like, maybe don't support him. Get him kind of like, you gotta, like, bait him into actually listening because if you're gentle with him, then he just is gonna take, you know, he's not gonna take anything from it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like and I think another part of the patience. problem <laughs>
2: I think another part of the problem is that the people who are like overtly fuck Fredo kind of have this uh this veneer of smugness, you know? Like uh there was a specific person me and Claudio were talking about and I was trying to like avoid name dropping them. So uh but like it just kind of, I I do think like part of the drive to to continue in this endless cycle of oh I fucked up, up I'm sorry, is just people like Actively feeding into the, actively feeding into it because they want to like hear themselves talk about it, when the solution is obviously to just stop talking about Fredo Disco,
1: yeah. Like, and that was the solution for a while. Um, we didn't talk about him, and I actually kind of wish that uh, it. Well, I don't. I don't wish that it wasn't like we didn't talk about him, but like it was more so that like it, we went too long, and then now of his fans have no idea the cringy shit he did and like the, mm-hmm. the pattern of dumbassery that follows him since uh user hey there it's Hitler on the emo subreddit. Like there's just all that shit that happens. So like for us it's like oh fucking Fredo again. Like you know, it's just whatever. Like fuck off man. But for other people it's like they you know, maybe have gone to Fredo disco shows and like, I've been listening to his records for over a year now, maybe two years. And they're like, you know, what's going on? Like, you know, it, I, I never noticed any, any, you know, animosity towards Fredo. It was because he was kind of, he's kind of like untouchable now. Like he kind of, we let him get too, <laughs> we let him get too big. Like, like, I don't know. It's not like we could have done anything about it, but it's, it's just the question of like, why have people been this patient? Why? Why all of this? Like, mm-hmm. why is... I'm kind of rambling. it's just it's it's frustrating still having this conversation as frustrating as as it is to still have the same con- conversations about like you know different bands that are like cancelled actually. like it's like it's just repeating yourself over and over and over, but like nobody really seems to like care except for the twelve people who do care and are saying the same thing to each other
2: yeah and i i do think we should emphasize that the official podcast position is not that fredo disco is canceled it's that he is like a complete fucking dumbass
0: yeah
3: yeah he needs to read a book and he (laughs) it's it's just alarming that he's been told stop it so many times and chooses to act the way that he acts um with that being said i'm gonna nix the last two topics unfortunately because i have to hop off unless we can do it in like two minutes uh snowing reunited okay snowing reunited uh, had some great shows in japan and then they came back and played a wrestling show in a vfw hall and the floors almost caved in and they played four songs and john smashed his bass and walked off stage um the the my takeaway is that like i get that diy is awesome but like snowing y'all should really play a real venue or something and i don't think you 100 <laughs> yeah. percent don't need a booking agent for that stuff you don't need to play live nation venue or something i know they're i know that they're hard to find like independent venues but like i don't know it's just like
1: it, is it that hard though like is it really that hard <laughs> Sometimes. Like it's just, I it's like it's really not like it's this I think it's their own like I don't know them like my I was kind of pissed when I heard about um, that show because I, I mean they put out a, a decent explanation like like I'm not saying this in my opinion now but I was kind of like they seem like they're trying to I don't know be like super like secretive and like I don't know it seemed a little bit irresponsible to me. Like to not have it at a real venue with like, you know, the infrastructure in place so that people can be safe because like they're a band that like no matter what they do, like no matter where they play, there's going to be people attempting to drive six to nine hours to get to that show.
3: I know. Yeah. Yeah. And that's
1: anybody could have told you that. But I guess they underestimated it like they didn't really they didn't really announce it like it just kind of like got out. But yeah, I thought that that was like a kind of a dumb move on their part. And when it was all kind of like murky about what happened at the show, and that uh, I I'll, all I heard was that John just like quit the set in a rage and and smashed his bass and then just walked out after like four songs.
3: Well, that equaled to like, people on the internet being like, Snowing just broke up when like.
1: Yeah, and to me, well, I that's not I what happened. And also, yeah. they
3: they repeatedly asked the audience to
2: stop like. Fucking bouncing up and down and almost making the floor cave in. Yeah, like they d- They tried to, to mitigate the damage that was being caused, <laughs> but yeah. people just like refused to listen to the band.
1: Yeah, um, I didn't know about any of that. I I like their post that they made. I I like that they um acknowledged that that was like a not a good move, um, and they kind of explained what really happened. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, I kind of like. I, I felt the same way that I did when I heard they played like a, um, like a house show without announcing it in Philly. Yeah. That was supposed to be and for like friends that, and
3: family or something.
1: Yeah. And look, when I heard about that, it, the way I heard about it was just like, Oh, secret snowing show at the fucking Joe Reinhardt just posted on a story. And it's like, uh, why, why would their first show ever back in since like 2012 or like 20, whenever the fuck
2: uh 2013
1: yeah when would why would their first show be like a secret show like that to me that seemed like counterproductive and like a little bit i don't know disrespectful like i don't know i my opinions have changed but um i'm glad to see that they they like acknowledge that that was kind of stupid and they're gonna like it seemed to me like the end of that post that they were trying to actually play some shows like i i'm actually pretty uh s- stoked about that possibly like i, I might even trek out to one if i can
3: yeah I mean, no matter where it is in the Midwest, I'm gonna go to it. Yeah, I
2: just think they underestimated like how big they have actually become, and how dedicated people are to them.
3: Well, that being said, officially wrapping it up because I need to get going. But this was a cool episode that didn't—I didn't anticipate getting much out of. But uh, I got—I personally got a lot out of it, and I think the, the listeners will get a shit ton out of it. Sick. The
2: MCR reunion was tight, but they played too much Danger Days.
1: (laughs) Agreed. I was pleasantly surprised to hear uh, that one song off Bullets.
2: Oh, uh, yeah, Our Lady of Sorrows. That's the the one that they always play off Bullets, though. (laughs) Yes. But um, more Bullets, less Danger Days. Thanks, Mike M. Love you.